Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let me see. I'm John Verhoeven, and I've worked as a cop. I was in forensics. I was in the air wing. World class. And I was a New South Wales firefighter. Top shelf. Have I... Have I left anything out? No, nope, that's all I did. Oh, wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new season of Loose Units. This is Loose Units Season 4 and we're calling it Dead Serious because it deals with dad's time and mum's time actually. Running a funeral home, which is obviously an incredibly strange thing to do and... We've got so many stories. Dad's been ferreting these stories away the entire time that the fire brigade season was going on. Dad, how are you feeling about a brand new season of Loose Units? I'm beyond excited. <laughs> Do I sound excited? You sound like mildly excited. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want the listeners to think that I have a morbid fascination with dead bodies. Okay. Because actually, I don't. How I got into the industry will be become real, uh, sort of realized in later episodes yeah yeah uh, because i was chatting with you and tegan mm-hmm. and we felt i mean i had this idea of doing this whole thing chronologically from the the concept of or, or the day that i answered a tiny ad in the local paper yeah but then uh we agreed to perhaps go in head first and um and go in because i know that the listeners really like to you know um hear some pretty heavy stuff well, I think for me, it's more like, okay, so you told us, well, first of all, during the interview sessions for Electric Blue, uh, my new book that comes out very, very soon, during the interview sessions, you just dropped this casual mention to the time that, you know, I would be playing in the yard of Kinsella Funeral Homes and suddenly these several years of you guys running a funeral home flooded back into my head. I'd block this whole thing out because you've done so many incredible things. It's like somehow it, it just got missed in the process mm. but i think what's incredible for me about this is that you did it i mean you were looking for something to do while you had spare time up your sleeve as a firefighter and i think you thought you were signing up for something pretty innocuous but i guess what i was thinking is okay how can this be more exciting 
than, you know, working as a cop or a firefighter or whatever. So I thought it might be really useful for the listeners to hear an example of a story Mm -hmm. from, you know, later in your career working at the funeral home, just to kind of set the tone, you know? Mm, Great idea. Mm. And I think it'll sort of, it'll draw people in. Death is a topic that is often difficult to talk about. Do you remember the first time you saw a dead body? I was four years old and I was living in Armadale mm-hmm. and my grandfather... Is that, That's Francis Letters, yeah? Yeah, um, Francis Letters or, or Frank. And yep. funnily enough, my middle name's Francis, mm-hmm. as is yours. Yeah, so, we named, I, so we named after him, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I used to spend a lot of time with him. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some lovely photographs of me sitting on his lap. Um, but he was unwell. Um, in my first few years on this earth, they were his last few years okay. on this earth. Mm. And he died very young. He was in his 60s. And um, that's even more freaky now that I'm 60. And I feel, I oh, feel great. You know, I feel... Alive, and you know, I've got a tremendous um, love and veracity for, for life. I'm, I'm, I love it, I think it's fantastic. Um, but he, um, and I probably was perhaps unaware of his medical condition, but he had uh, cancer. Uh, he'd smoked a pipe. If you look mm-hmm. at all the photographs of him, yeah. he, was, he was an amazing academic. He was um, associate professor of English and classics at Sydney University. Prior to that, he'd been an eminent barrister. And then he became one of the founding professors of English and Classics at New England University in Armidale, one of yes. the founding professors. Mm. And, and he was a man of letters. He, funnily enough, I say he's a man of letters, but he also his surname was Letters, which is yeah. weird. But when he was um, in his final stages, uh, he was also um, a papal knight. Yeah. Now, you've told us about this because I did some research and he was appointed a papal knight. Actually, he was appointed a knight of the Order of St. Gregory the Great by Pope John the Twenty-Third. And I did some research, Dad, because I, w- I want to know what a papal knight actually gets. Apart from the fact that you get sort of a, you know, you get a little medal thing and you probably get a like a free sandwich and all mm-hmm. the other stuff. But, but the actual thing you're allowed to do, right... According to uh, an academic website that I, uh, I looked up, members of the order have no privileges except the right of riding on a horse inside St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City, a right that has not been recently exercised. So I'd technic- love to do that. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be great? We could do like a loose units on horseback mm. from St. Peter's Basilica. Yep. Well, Paul, yep. at this juncture, I'd like to say that I always used to think of you as an ideas person, mm-hmm. but I'm um, officially rescinding that. You are no longer an ideas person. You do have ideas, but that's not a great one. Okay. Um, And being the great-grandchild of Frank Letters, I don't think you'd be allowed to ride a horse in the Vatican. It's not like a hereditary thing. You you don't get a... It's not passed down. Damn, so it's not like like stonemasons or anything. No, but but what the listeners... And I don't... I just... Just bear with me, please, listeners. The Queen is the... She knights people. Yep. And in Australia, some people um, get a bit excited. Mm-hmm. about being knighted. I mean, I haven't been knighted yet, but um, if I was knighted, it'd, it'd be the Queen. Now, she's the head of the Church of England. The Pope is the head of the Catholic Church. She knights people, so does the Pope, but no one hears about the Pope. Or, or they do hear about the Pope, but mm. not necessarily in relation to knighting. Sure. So, um, anyway, the thing is, dear Paul, that 
on that fateful night yes. in 1964. I've got the actual date here, by the way. It was um, 23rd of September 1964. Okay, so I, I was four and a half, mm. and I was uh, the St. Vincent de Paul, the local St. Vincent de Paul, were praying um, at my grandfather's bedside, saying the rosary. Is that normal? And, Is that a normal thing that happens? Uh, like- look, it happens occasionally. Um, I'm not sure whether it happens that often now, but in a country town with a with a cathedral, this, you know, it's like a, a town of churches. Sure. Um, and uh, and and my the St Vincent de Paul, they do a lot of charitable work. They, mm. um, I'm sure, in this COVID time, they do lots of, um, you know, feeding the, you know, look, they do a lot of good stuff. And yep. anyway, so the point is that I was woken up early in the morning by my mum. And she took me across the hallway because my room was adjacent to, to where my grandfather was sort of, you know, in the, in the last stages. Yeah. I remember being lifted up and I kissed my grandfather's forehead. He was deceased. And I remember in, in some minute detail. Not quite to the point of such extraordinary memory that my father uh, has always uh, said... That he, and get ready for this, Paul, this is probably going to, I can just sense the listeners will probably roll their eyes back in in either disbelief or in wonderment. My father says that he remembers being born. Have you ever in your life heard that said before? I mean, I smell bullshit, but at the same time, I remember some pretty weird stuff. Like, is that even possible? Well, I remember in the tin drum... Uh, they had that scene inside the womb, and he actually didn't want to come out. But that's a movie. Okay. <laughs> yes. Anyway, okay. syndrome. Um, okay, so hang on. All right, so sorry for the... I mean, sorry. If you listen to Loose Units and you're annoyed by you know uh, distractions and little cul-de-sacs, then you are listening to the wrong podcast, my friends. But if you do like that stuff, let's just aggressively pivot back towards an example of a, I'm not going to say case. That's going to be a real strange thing for me not to say anymore because you mm. weren't dealing with cases. No. You were dealing with clients, I guess. Mm. And uh, empathy was a, uh, a key trait. Yeah. Uh, possibly the most it? important trait for anyone in the funeral industry is to have empathy. And not everyone in the funeral industry is granted or will ever sort of get into that situation where they um, are the ones dealing face-to-face with the, 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 the traumatic, bereaved families and so of course you, you were very much forward facing right mm, yeah okay okay um but down the track in this series people will find out how I, and why i actually got the job at the funeral home but we'll save right. that yep i didn't just plunge in head first and all of a sudden you know be dealing with the bereaved i mean that's a process mm. and as i said not everyone is suited on many, many levels. Okay. But this is a particular case where we thought we'd just go in hard um, and get ready, listeners, because it's a, it's a sad story, um, as, as will become very evident. So I'd been with this firm for some time. Having said that, I was a permanent firefighter with the New South Wales Fire Brigades at the same time. And it was not uncommon for me to have the hearse or a limousine parked close by to the fire station. And what do you if, mean a limousine? The hearse. Right, so hang on, what's An the actual difference? hearse. Well, the, the limo is just, a, is just a black car, a sedan, which you'd use to convey family in. To, oh, okay, to, okay, okay. Or you'd pick them up. and. But we'll go into all that. That's, that's way down the track. But yep, okay. 
suffice to say that um, if I was on standby or on call, um, I would have um, a funeral vehicle and sometimes it would be a hearse, which is a bit weird for a hearse to be parked in a side street. But that's the way it was. And then I'd, I'd do my professional firefighting mm-hmm. and then head off. Uh, you know, I, I may have had a viewing, uh, which is a whole, that's a whole series just on viewings. Um, but back to, back to this story, I, uh, I'd been there a while. It was a particularly traumatic case. I remember something quite unusual, Paul, and I remember that the family rocked up uh, because this is a, this is a funeral parlour that no longer exists. It's now uh, residential apartments and a fruit and vegetable shop, I believe, in Narrabeen. Right, okay. <clears throat> and it went from the Pitwater Road to the street behind. I think that could be called Ocean Street. And from where the, the, the hearse and all the cars were parked, when you'd, take, when you'd sort of lift up all the roller shutter doors for the garage, which at the back of the property, it was about a 30-second walk to the sand on the beach at Narrabeen. I seem to recall there being, yeah, you could hear the ocean from there. Yeah, and it was just prime real estate. But at the front was this maybe a 100-year-old house. It was a two-storey house, and the the matriarch of that family, she lived upstairs. And occasionally, it was like having an audience with with perhaps the queen. She would be very beautifully dressed. She was sophisticated. She was a real classy dame put it that way um, and she had antiques she had the most extraordinary antiques uh-huh. um, which funnily enough down the track as and you'll have to remind me about this but in future stories I may even tell you the story how I'd admired this amazing pair of vases that she had and she sold them to me which was exciting right okay I know that sounds a bit a bit funny because you, you know I also had two antique shops as well as the funeral business. Hang on, hang on. So you had the fire brigade, you had two antique shops and a funeral home. Correct. Seems like a lot. Uh, seems like a lot, but in, in amongst all that, I managed to restore two historic houses on the northern beaches and I even won a highly commended in the Manly Ringer gardening competition. So I actually don't know. Oh, and then I was with Christine bringing up three children. And... When and doing lots say, of other things. Yeah, you sometimes combat the assertion that you might have some form of ADHD like I do. And when you look at your career, it seems pretty obvious that <laughs> you might. Paul, uh, we used to have dinner parties yeah. with printed three-page menus what? with photographs. We had a printer? Paul, there were printers back in the 1980s. No, I mean, we didn't the have a printer. We didn't have a TV. You... you Paul. Jettisoned all technology from the house, but you had printed menus. Correct. Nerds. And, okay. And that's a fact. Yep. All uh, right. A fact that perhaps down the track, Christine should uh, back me up on that. I guess I just said that because, um, I mean, we had a bathroom put in our hist- one of our historic houses and it was featured in a, in a national magazine. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh so God. I was just, look, you know, I'm on the go. I'm like a coiled spring. Um and I and it, that's I probably why I sleep a, so well. Fucking understatement. Um, All right. So okay, hang on. Sorry, Paul. I'm sorry for going down the rabbit don't hole. Don't apologize. But... Don't don't. It's beautiful. It's yep. perfect. It's great. Mm. You're great. But yep. I mean, let's get back to this uh, this uh, okay. client. So I remember they arrived. It was a it was a husband and wife. Yep. Now for 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 reasons that will become slightly apparent as the story progresses, I remember that the guy, the, the, the husband, yeah. he drove a black Range Rover. 
Now, people are going, how on earth could you remember that? Now, that fact, I want you to just put it to the side mm-hmm. and that will, it'll happen. It'll, it'll come to the fore okay. um, as the story progresses. Yep. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I had been given this job. This was my job to deal with this family. And I know why I got the job. Because it was a particularly terrible job. It was sad. It was stressful. It was everything that you never, ever want to do. And, of course, I'm, I'm oblivious to all this. I mean, Barry Kinsella, who owned Kinsella Funeral Homes, he, he knew what I was about to encounter. And, I mean, I, I understand and I appreciate, in hindsight, why he, he entrusted me with this particular story, this, this, this unfolding story. And yeah. um, so the husband and the wife come in. Um, the husband was basically catatonic. He was, uh, there was no emotion. The wife was... Uh, sort of trying to hold things together. And I obviously had to find out the circumstances as to why they were here or with me in this particular moment. But in the back of your mind, uh, it was always drummed into me that whilst you had a very traumatic situation to, to deal with, you also were a business and you had the dreaded folder, um, like a ring ring binder. And in that ring binder, Paul, were photographs of coffins. And as part of the hard sell, whilst people are beyond vulnerable, this was always one of the big problems I had with that industry. Right. Um, and, 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 of course, it has to be done. I mean, someone has to, at some stage, 
show the family the coffin. Well, you've got to pick something to put them in, right? And you have to choose something. Yeah, yeah, So we'd always start at the cheapest. And it was like doing a presentation, like an Amway presentation, except that you've got people in front of you that are, well, the husband was completely, he was was fucked. He was totally and utterly fucked. Mm. And, uh, And I had to also find out the circumstances. And the circumstances were that they had um, a son who from memory was he was he was young he yep. was around about 10 years old mm-hmm. and he loved horse riding and on the weekend he went to hop up on a horse and when you mount a horse, you put one foot in the stirrup. Yes. You then lift your whole body up and then you swing the other leg over and then you put that foot into the stirrup on the other side of the horse. Right. Well, what happened, he got his first foot in the stirrup and the horse was um, was scared. Something It, it, it heard a noise. And it bolted. And it galloped. With all the family watching. As their son had his tiny ankle stuck in the stirrup. And the horse just... Well, I've been on horses that have galloped. I mean, you're talking fast. And he was basically underneath the horse... You can't imagine the terrible, terrible um, pain, shock, stress from both the boy yeah. realising, because you, you're, you're alive for a while, but the most horrendous, gut-wrenching, hideous, nightmarish, just abominable pain suffered by the parents. And the siblings watching their, their brother and their, their son going off into the distance. Yeah. It's fucked. And eventually when they found the boy, he was dead. And he'd basically, uh, he'd been dragged. And his head would have been, well, you can just imagine. You don't have to go into the, all the details. But mm. he, um, I mean, I'm just, I just find this quite traumatic. Just reliving the story. You've got, you know, you've got kids. Well, so. yeah, I've got kids, but when you see a young person, the life snuffed out, and it's an accident. There's no malice. Yeah, you know, it's terrible. So, I had all that to deal with, and I'm being very now. Let's 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 let the listeners know how old I was. I was, um, I would have been in my early to mid thirties. Sure. Okay. And all you kids were born. And so I had to sort of try and extract information from the family, get them to choose a coffin, go through all the arrangements. And what we'd agreed on was to that the, their son would be cremated um, up at the Northern Suburbs Crematorium. Yep. And, and we'll do one or two episodes just on the whole 
or maybe even more just on the whole crematorium scene because it's fascinating well because really I, fascinating. Like, I i know tegan and i've had the talk and i think you know we, we probably prefer to be cremated as well so mm. look there are yeah. so many topics that we'll cover and they're all really fascinating and, mm. and very um you know appropriate to everybody as you said yeah um so once i'd dealt with the family and organized the death notice chosen a coffin I realised that the boy was in our morgue because every funeral home is a little morgue. Yeah. We had a tiny morgue. It had, um, it could hold probably um, comfortably maybe six to ten, to ten bodies. Yeah, you've mentioned the building to me before, but it was sort of separate from the main building. Yeah, separate. Um and obviously refrigerated, yep. so it was really cold inside. Yeah. And, um, you know, there were fridges and all the bodies would be in these white linen sleeves, mm-hmm. these kind of body bags. Yeah. And if ever you did an embalming, um, the, the embalming would be, uh, would be carried out in that, in that same mortuary room. So you had all the facilities there, um, which, again, will we'll be going into some minute detail down the track. Mm-hmm. So I remember um, on the day of the funeral, I hand-selected uh, my crew, the people that I felt were most uh, would display most empathy. And um, I, I actually said, look, I need one of you guys to help me. Um, this is the situation. Would one of you kindly come with me? Mm-hmm. And we went over to the uh, to the mortuary. But we had to prepare the coffin, um, which we did in the garage. It was a pretty amazing setup there. Again, this is not the focus of today's um, episode because yeah. the mechanics and and the coffins and how you prepare them and you it looks it's fascinating. There's so much stuff to go into. Okay, but for, for just the first episode, I'm just going to talk about um, we had to place the young boy into a coffin. I got to see the injuries of the poor boy, and that, that I found traumatic, um, to put it mildly. We then sealed the coffin, and we conveyed uh, the boy in the coffin in the back of the hearse, and we went to the... Northern Suburbs Crematorium, and there are four chapels there. Now, the biggest chapel is the Northern Chapel. If you can imagine the four chapels are in the shape of a cross, mm-hmm. and depending on how many people you're going to have, we, you estimate the size of the funeral. And if it's going to be a very big funeral, which invariably a funeral with a young person is is always it's going to be a big event. Interesting. So we'd organised the... Uh, Everything was organised, and it's my responsibility. And then what happens is you quite often get the family, generally on the day, mm-hmm. as the hearse. Look, when you're in the hearse and you're driving and you're all wearing black suits and I'm running the show, it's my, I'm in charge, I'm called the conductor, you know, you just know that it's going to be really 
heavy, but we get there early because we have to organise for the books to be signed because everyone generally wants to sign a like a remembrance book and that's done. So all our crew, they, they're out the front and mingling and approaching people and get them they get them to sign these individual pages and then later on during the service we then get all the pages and we combine them and we put them into a special book Gosh, and that's something okay. that's presented to the family okay. on the day. Mm-hmm. And um, so this particular event, funeral, it's called a funeral that's held in its entirety. There, and we'll go into this as well. Mm. Um, there are so many combinations of how you can do funerals. There are just... it's it's as limited as the imagination is. But this was a particular um, situation where the entire service is held in its entirety. Now, one of the really important things uh, with a coffin is um, the floral arrangement, which is called a casket cover. Sort of, It's, it's a special shaped um, flower setting. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really important the way it's attached to the coffin and we used to have these special techniques where we'd um, get two um, paper clips and with a series of rubber bands and, and you'd kind of hook the paper clip. You'd open it slightly and hook it on one side underneath the lid. It'd thread through the flowers and then clip it so that when you removed the coffin from the back of the hearse and by that time, sometimes you would do all this prior to the family arriving. Mm-hmm. They would request that it all be set up so when they come in, they can see the coffin at the front. Or sometimes they would all gather around and they would actually watch you remove the coffin from the hearse. And removing a coffin with three people is an art in itself. And it's like poetry in motion if it's done properly. Problem being, sometimes you'd get family members that wanted to assist. And invariably, it would be it could be a total Nightmare. Is that because people's feelings and emotions are running extremely high, and they want to they want to help? And they yeah, they want to help. But yeah. also think about this, Paul. Imagine if they. I mean, to, to to carry a coffin with a coffin on your shoulders is it's difficult at the best of times. But mm. here's a spare a thought for a situation where you've got three or four men, invariably. Mm. But what happens if one guy is five foot tall and the other others are all six foot? Oh, shit. There's a massive gap, isn't there? Yeah, I had never thought of that, yeah. So you can either have the coffin facing weirdly down at one angle or you can say to that person will look no or they can walk and they can have their arms sort of pressed up underneath the coffin. Mm. We'll go into all that. But in this particular case, the sadness and the trauma and the atmosphere was palpable. I mean, I'm stressed for lots of reasons. I'm really sad um, I've helped put their son into a coffin an hour before. I've got my own family. I've, I, and it has to run perfectly. Yeah. And uh, during the service, I'm standing at the front near the uh, the minister, and everything was going really well. And the father and the mother and the siblings, close relatives, are all seated in the front row. <clears throat> the atmosphere is bad. A lot of people crying. It's really heavy. And then during the the service, um, the father, he stands up. He then walks out of the... um, He just walks out of the service. He's gone. 
And we're about to come to the most important part of the whole service, which is committing the body. And he... And I follow him. So I'm running this entire funeral. I'm the person in charge of the event. I'm dressed um, immaculately. The show, the funeral, does not go on without me. I'm running the show. And as soon as the father stood up and left the chapel, everything just stopped. So I followed him discreetly. He hopped in his black Range Rover, hence me remembering the car. Yeah. And he reversed at high speed. And I anticipated what was about to happen. So I ran down the side of the Northern Chapel and I ran, ran out on, and there's only one way out of the crematorium. And I stood in front of the road. I stood right in the middle with my arms <gasps> outstretched. And I just stood there and he's heading toward me at speed and he just put the anchors on. He stopped in the middle of this road. Yeah, yeah. I then went around to the car door. I opened up the car door and he was just sobbing on the, like, it was fucked. Oh, my God. I I don't quite remember how I, I don't know what I did with the car. I couldn't have left it there. I'm not quite sure. Maybe someone saw what was happening and maybe went and parked his car. And I then sort of supported him and I led him back into the, like the back, but the main entrance to this chapel. So we've gone in, but there were people outside, like, because it was such a big event that not everyone could fit inside. Mm -hmm. So there were people and I basically had to walk him through and then down the aisle all the way back to his seat. Now that whole process took a minimum of five minutes. So that's five minutes where everyone in this church, chapel, had all just been sort of frozen in time, thinking what the hell is going on? No one would have known what I was doing. That the, the He'd had a total and utter breakdown. And a completely understandable one as well. Totally. Like completely. No, no, incredible. Yeah, no, Look, no, I know you're not. Uh, this is no, so I agree. Of, yeah, no, oh incredible. And I just, uh, I had to sort of get him back and then I sat him down and um, and the whole funeral, um, it, uh, it just kept going and we went through the whole process. And yeah, so that's just one of many um, funeral stories that I have. And I thought that was... You know, an interesting story insofar as it's, it sums up, um, you know, a bit of a... I think it's interesting. One of the things I hadn't even anticipated was that you would have to see other people's grief a lot more than you did in any of your previous jobs. And full disclosure, listeners, and Dad, you'll know this, but I've never, I've never known anyone who died or seen a dead body in my life before. So my only encounters with death have been you know the same way most people encounter death and that is via fiction like we see people die in films all the time we you know but i don't know if culturally we really entirely prepare people people for death because i can't even imagine how i'm going to react when someone i love dies i mean no it's terrible i I can't dad i can't drive but if i could you bet your ass i'd be running out of the funeral home and straight you know driving down the road like that is such a relatable 
impulse just to want mm. to get away from that. Yeah. Are you? How did you feel telling that story, by the way? Because I know people do occasionally express concern for your well-being. Um, I think that in terms of all the things I've ever seen in my life, I think because it's the it's the job that's probably closest to now. Yeah. So, and my memories of all. I mean, I started taking notes and um, it surprised me how many stories there are. And, and of course, hopefully we'll be doing the Q&A on Fridays as well. And I, I hope that we get lots and lots of uh, questions. Oh, yeah, and, we are going to keep... And, yeah. and make sure that you never ever feel guilty or embarrassed or silly um, about the questions you ask because I'm, I know there are going to be lots of um, people that want to know lots and lots of different things and hopefully I can answer a lot of them. Um, but I would have to say that in terms of monitoring myself, telling that story, I can definitely tell that it affects me. Um, you I did can, sound a little, little upset. Yeah, honestly. so I can yeah. definitely tell that it's going to be pretty full on. But there'll be also the funniest stories that'll be just so heartwarming and crazy. And when I think about some of these stories, the great thing is also that you can't make this shit up. It's all just too incredible. Yeah, there'll be supernatural stories, as I touched on before, that right. um, people can go. You know what? We just don't believe it, but hey, yes, well, actually, they did happen. Um, and we we're also going to go deep into the procedures. We'll talk about cremations, burial, and of course, numerous funerals that I did, um, pulling out all the slightly more unusual stories surrounded that surround you know those particular events. I really am looking forward to it. I'm frankly a little terrified but i'm sure it's going, going to be absolutely amazing uh well look i mean dad i guess it's going to be a very very big season and obviously one of the things that i've been really excited about is the fact that electric blue actually features two chapters like dead in the middle that actually talk everyone through how you started at the funeral home like it's a it's a hollywood version of how you ended up working at the funeral home, answering the ad. And then one of your, I would say, bigger, more insane stories from your career. And I'm really excited about people also being able to read about your funeral home stuff whilst they're listening about it. Mm, you know? mm, mm. Yeah. I hope that, um, that the listeners uh, gain a lot of, mm, what can I say, information, knowledge, um, empathy. Mm. Um, it's, it's an often sort of, look, it's a weird uh, industry. Yep. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, people know me. I, I pull no punches. I'll be telling it as it is, as it was, um, and I think it's great. And I think people, I think people are going to come come along for a, uh, a truly fascinating and quite remarkable uh, journey. Well, we will see you later on this week for an episode of Loose Ends, as always. So feel free to keep sending through questions, and they don't have to be about the funeral home, but now they absolutely can be. Or they can be about the book, they can be about police, fire brigade, or you can just drop us a line and say hello at facebook.com forward slash loose units. We will see you very soon for more Loose Units and more Dead Serious. Bye. Cheerio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.